Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of Jesus as a prophet, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. In the previous broadcast, I was just giving some background material concerning prophets and prophecy and speaking about it from a general perspective, but today I'd like to just go right into some of the prophecies that the Lord Jesus gave that did actually come true, that would evaluate him, that would show that he was actually a prophet in the context of someone who gave predictions about the future and that these things in the future did eventually come to pass. The first thing I would like to mention, which is what I mentioned at the end of the previous broadcast, was that he prophesied about his death and his resurrection. For example, in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said in verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body, that he prophesied that his body would eventually be killed, that it would be destroyed by the people, and that in three days he would raise it up again. And of course, I have done an extensive study on accounting for all three days and three nights that Jesus was in the grave before he was raised from the dead. And so if you are interested in the details concerning the evidence that shows that he was actually in the grave for three days and three nights, then get a hold of me and I can get you those audio files or audio CDs that will give you some greater insights concerning that. But in this context, in this program, I would just like to show that he did prophesy that this would happen, and it did actually happen. It was a prophecy that was realized. It was a prophecy that was fulfilled. Also in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. He says clearly that he's going to suffer many things because of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, all these people, and he was going to be killed as a result of the sufferings that he would experience through these individual people. And, of course, to speak about the elders and the scribes, these are people that have a certain role in the society. They had a certain role in the society of the Lord Jesus, and the chief priests also had a certain role in that society. And so for him to say that he was going to suffer many things from these people says an awful lot about how he is going to die, and the circumstances in which he is actually going to die. And then on the third day, he would be raised up again. And so this was another prophecy that he gave concerning this. And he said this again in Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, again he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered 
to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Here in Matthew chapter 20, he gives a little bit more detail the fact that he would be turned over to the Gentiles and that the Gentiles would actually crucify him. So these are prophecies that he gave concerning his own life and his own circumstances at a future point, and they did actually happen. They were fulfilled. What is unique is that the circumstances required for all of this to take place in the way that he describes the circumstances were definitely quite unique because he would have to do something that would violate Roman law. He would have to do something that would violate the Pharisaical law, the laws of the Sanhedrin, in order for him to go through what he is describing. But to do that, if he were to violate those laws, then technically technically he may be in a situation where he may potentially sin. And so it would be very difficult for the circumstances to be set up in such a way for these things to occur. But because of him being the Messiah, because of the way that he interacted with the people, the people responded to him in a certain way so that all of these events unfolded exactly as he described. And so I think it is worth at least mentioning, it's worth noting, that if anybody asks you what is the evidence to show that Jesus was actually a prophet, why would you speak of Jesus as a prophet? Well, you have to identify the prophecies that he gave and then identify how those prophecies were fulfilled. And that is the evidence that shows that he was actually a prophet. For example, on occasion, I will speak with somebody who is a Muslim or someone who is of Islam. And the people of Islam, Muslims, they they do recognize that Jesus is a prophet. And for the most part, I find conversations to be quite quite interesting with people of this character because they see me as someone who has made an important step in faith. I'm a Jew who at one time followed Moses, and now I am a Jew who believes in Jesus, and so the natural progression that they assume I should go through would be to next go to Muhammad because they believe in Moses, they believe in Jesus, and they believe that Muhammad is the final prophet in that lineage of prophets. But in conversations such as these, I will often ask them, do you believe that Jesus is a prophet? And the answer will be, yes, of course we believe that Jesus is a prophet. It says very clearly in the Quran that Jesus is a prophet. And so I will then follow up the question with, well, then what did he prophesy? What makes you think that he is a prophet? What did he prophesy? What were the prophecies that he gave? In what way did he prophesy that would qualify him as a prophet? And it's often a very interesting question for them to get from someone like myself, because they will normally assume that I'm the one who's supposed to give them the answer to that kind of a question, that I'm the one who's supposed to give them the evidence to show that Jesus is a prophet and perhaps even greater than Muhammad, who they claim to be a prophet, that that is how these conversations normally go. And so I quite often catch them a little bit off balance by asking them to tell me What is the evidence to show that Jesus is a prophet? But I have yet to hear anyone give me an answer to that question that says, well, I know he is a prophet because this is what he prophesied, and this was the prophecy that actually came true. That is something that I have yet to hear in answer to my question that I will often ask them in those kinds of conversations. And so it's important for us to consider that. 
I really believe that it's very important for us to be able to answer that question. If he identified himself as a prophet, we should know what he prophesied and what came true so that he can be qualified in truth as a prophet as he claimed. We can quite often refer to him as God and give evidence to him being God, and that certainly is true. But as a prophet, this is a part of his ministry. This is a part of how he revealed himself. We should be aware of this as believers in him, as people of the living God. Another prophecy that he gave was in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, concerning the destruction of the temple. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. What an incredible prophecy to give, an incredible response to his disciples who are showing him all the incredible buildings that are there and all the architecture that is there and the the incredible work that had been done. And it certainly was an incredible work that had been done. The building of that particular temple was a monumental event. And then the Lord Jesus responds by saying, you see all these buildings? They're all going to come down. Not one stone will be left upon another stone. And certainly that did happen when the Romans came in to tear down the temple. The main reason why that happened was because the inner walls were overlaid with gold. And they were after the gold because when they set fire to the the temple, the things, the furnishings and and the, the cloth that was inside the temple, all the curtains, they caught on fire. And the heat was enough that it caused the gold uh, plating the gold, the gold on the walls to melt, and so the gold went into the cracks in between the stones. And so to recover the gold, they took all the stones down. They took every stone down until they were able to recover all the gold that had melted in between the cracks, and that's effectively how that happened. But for the Lord Jesus to prophesy this in advance and for it to eventually be fulfilled is something that we should be aware of. It's something that we should definitely make note of, that we should use this as evidence, because it is evidence to say that Jesus was a prophet, that he prophesied that this would occur, and it did actually occur. And this particular prophecy was fulfilled long after these Gospels, long after the Gospel of Matthew was actually written, a very important thing to recognize, that the evidence that this prophecy was fulfilled was not given in this Gospel. The prophecy was, but the proof of the prophecy being fulfilled has been given in other historical texts. Another prophecy that the Lord Jesus gave that corresponds to this is that Jerusalem would be trampled until the times of the Gentiles were fulfilled. This was given or described in Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24. In Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 20, it says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city. Because these are days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land, and wrath to this people. 
and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The prophecy given is that the cities will be destroyed, especially Jerusalem will be destroyed and will be trampled underfoot or it will be under Gentile control until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, which of course has to be further defined. But what I would like to refer to right now is just the fact that Jesus prophesied that Jerusalem would be destroyed. This is similar to what was given in Matthew chapter 24, that the temple would be destroyed. But he also says here in this particular prophecy that Jerusalem would be under the control of the Gentiles until a certain time, which is described as all things being fulfilled. For Jerusalem to be under Gentile control for a long period of time and that the temple for the Jews would certainly not be rebuilt until that time comes to an end is a prophecy that I believe has certainly come to pass. Now, the fact that the times of the Gentiles have ended, that part of the prophecy has not yet come to pass. I don't believe that that has yet been fulfilled. I think we're very close to that being fulfilled, but it has not been completely fulfilled. I will personally believe that that has been fully fulfilled when the temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt, which I do believe will eventually come to pass, that there will be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. And when that happens, that I believe that at that time, the times of the Gentiles will be over. But for now, he does say that it would be under Gentile control until a certain point, and I do believe that that is the case in a certain context, that that is definitely the case. Now, what's really interesting is that, of course, throughout history, this has been true uh, up until recent times that the Jewish people have began to reassert control over Jerusalem. And while they do not have complete control over Jerusalem, that it is still under somewhat Gentile control. And I say that because, of course, they cannot do whatever they want there in Jerusalem, that there are issues that are overbearing their ability to do whatever they want to do. And so there is still some control that the Gentiles do have over the people there to a certain extent. And because of that, I'm not willing to concede that this prophecy has been fulfilled yet. But regardless of that, throughout the course of the last 2,000 years, this certainly has been true. There was one attempt, however, to try and overcome this particular prophecy. There was an attempt... And that was an attempt done by an emperor by the name of Julian, who was an emperor in Rome between 355 and 363 A.D. That was 355 and 363 A.D. Julian attempted to rebuild the temple there in Jerusalem for the Jews and reestablish Jerusalem as a community for the Jews. There was an attempt to try and make that happen. But, of course, if he would have succeeded if he would have succeeded in reestablishing the Jewish temple and temple worship there and given Jews authority over Jerusalem, then that would contradict or that would be in conflict with the prophecy that Jesus gave because the time of the Gentiles were not yet over, at least in the context that I believe that he was saying. And so there was an attempt to do this at one time in history, but it did not work out at all. Emperor Julian put out a lot of military power, huge expense from his military, from his political influences, and of course financial resources that he had there in Rome. He put out a lot of resources, military, political, and financial, in order to try to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem during his reign. 
but he wasn't motivated in order to try to expand Christianity or expand the notions of the living God. He was actually motivated because he wanted to expand all religions except for Christianity. He was considered to be an apostate or somebody who was a pagan. He definitely was not a Christian, and his motive in wanting to do this was not to try to expand the Lord Jesus' ministry or expand Christianity in any way. He was wanting to expand all faiths, all religions, all beliefs other than Christianity to minimize the influence of Christianity. That was what was motivating him. And for him to do this for the Jewish people was his way of trying to expand another religion that was not a Christian religion. And if he would succeed, then he could make the claim that Jesus' prophecy was an invalid prophecy and that Jesus was not considered to be a prophet because of the rebuilding of the temple there in Jerusalem and the regaining of authority and control by the Jewish people there in Jerusalem. That was his actual motive. But it did not work out for him. There was a friend of his by the name of Amianus Marcellinus, and I don't know what the official Greek pronunciation of that should be, but this friend of his wrote concerning the great effort that he undertook, wrote about what had happened, and I believe he gave a wonderful description, and an interesting one that very few people are aware of concerning this attempted event, this attempt to rebuild the temple for the Jews there in Jerusalem. He wrote that Julian thought to rebuild... At an extravagant expense, the proud temple once at Jerusalem, and committed this task to Olypius of Antioch. Olypius set vigorously to work, and was seconded by the governor of the province. When fearful balls of fire breaking out near the foundations continued their attacks, till the workmen, after repeated scorchings, could approach no more, and he gave up the attempt." That was what stopped that particular event. That is what stopped that undertaking that Julian went through. He wanted to try to rebuild the temple, but there were balls of fire that came up from the foundation. And I do believe that this was definitely an intervention by the living God himself, that he did not want that temple rebuilt at that time. And he intervened personally to throw balls of fire at the people who were working on it until they would finally give up and no longer proceed to try and rebuild the temple. And I do believe that when the time comes for the temple to be rebuilt, that he will intervene as is necessary in order to ensure that it is rebuilt, as opposed to what he did here back in the uh, the 355 to 363 time period when he intervened to make sure that it would not be rebuilt. And so I do believe that this is a prophecy that Jesus gave that has officially been fulfilled in the sense that while an attempt was made, and no other attempt other than that, the attempt certainly did fail. And so that is one prophecy that we should definitely make note of to say that, yes, Jesus was a prophet in the context of him making predictions about the future, and this is a prediction that has definitely come true. Another prophecy that he gave was in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And of course, in this context, he's referring to the heavens above us that we can visually see, that that there will be a dramatic change in this universe to the extent where the heavens will pass away, the heavens that we see that we have access to. I don't believe that he's referring to the kingdom of God, that's for sure. But that his words would not pass away. 
Certainly, that is a prophecy that he gave that has come to pass. That the words that he spoke have not passed away, or at least those that were of the most important, those that he wanted to be recorded, those that he wanted to be remembered. That this is definitely a prophecy that has been fulfilled. You know, there are many people who have turned to, time and time again, prophets and scholars and religious leaders, people, uh, uh, philosophers of old. There are many times that people have revisited the words that they gave in the past, like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and Buddha and Confucius. People often turn back to the people of history who were considered to be very influential and who spoke many important things, important things in the sense that there were promises that were made, there were suggestions that were given that would give people a much better life experience here on earth, and so people have turned to them for knowledge and insights and understanding. There are people throughout the course of history whose words have not passed away, but I believe that Jesus' words are very unique. And the one way that I believe that his words are very unique is the fact that other people have promised a sense of peace and rest or tranquility. They have promised a better life or a better understanding of life. And yet, while they have promised, they have never delivered. That's my personal opinion. That when it came to Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed, Plato, all these philosophers, Epictetus, lots of philosophers who I have read myself, and where they have promised that a person could experience some sense of peace or rest or a greater understanding of the world around them, I do not believe that there is any evidence to show that they have actually delivered. And of those people, and I know a lot of people, who do follow these philosophers and these religious leaders, they have followed them with great enthusiasm through a great portion of their life. I know people who have done this, and they are just as empty as they were when I first met them, or when they first went through these kinds of pursuits. They are just as empty today as they once were, that where there were promises made, those promises were never fulfilled, those promises were never delivered on, in other words. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus, his words do not pass away, and they will not pass away. And not just in the sense that the Bible will always be available, or his words will always be proclaimed throughout the course of history that we have in front of us. Not just that, but I believe that his words will never pass away from within those people who truly embrace him for who he is. I believe that that is the greatest aspect of this particular prophecy, of this prophecy that Jesus gave, that when you embrace the words of the Lord Jesus, that they will never pass away from within you. When you embrace the truth of those words, and you embrace him for who he is, truly, when you embrace the true gospel, and there are many other gospels out there that claim to be Christian gospels, and there are many people who claim that they believe in Jesus, but they don't really, because they don't really believe in the true Jesus, and they don't really believe in the true gospel. But those who embrace the truth, those who embrace him for who he is, those words never pass away in their lifetime, in their being, in their existence. I could say that with great conviction about myself. I, I don't think I could have said this when I first got saved, within the first, I don't know, two, three, maybe even five years of my 
maturity in Christ Jesus, I don't know that I could say that with as much confidence as I can say today, that his words within me will never, ever pass away. And so this is a prophecy that he gave, and yet I believe this is a much more personal prophecy that he gave, that his people get to experience as a reality, as something that has definitely been fulfilled and will continually be fulfilled in those in the future who are going to embrace the Lord Jesus for who he is, that this is a prophecy that will be fulfilled and people will look at this prophecy and they will say, Jesus is a prophet. He prophesied. He predicted something in the future. And this is something that has been personally realized in my own life, that I am the one who can personally testify that this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled. I know that this has been fulfilled, not because I can look at any historical record of any kind, look at any historical writings and say, here, here is the evidence, the clear evidence that shows that this prophecy has been fulfilled. No, I am the evidence. I am the one who bears testimony that his words in my heart will never pass away. And that is a testimony that no other philosopher, no other religious leader, no one will ever come close to. There is no one that I know of who has ever been able to say with deep, absolute conviction that they have followed a prophet who prophesied something like this concerning their words and that these words will never pass away from within their hearts because of the absolute reality and the transformation that has occurred within them that is so clearly an act of God that they could never say otherwise. I believe that this is definitely unique to the Lord Jesus, his ministry, and his words, and that in this context, his words have never passed away, and they never will, even after heaven and earth pass away. If you personally have not experienced this, then I sincerely pray that you will continually pursue the Lord Jesus. You will continually pursue the truth of the gospel and understanding of it and continually discover the implications of the forgiveness that has been given to you. Because I do believe that one day you also will be able to say with as much conviction as I am saying that his word within me will never pass away and nothing could possibly replace the peace and the rest that I have in him. I do pray that you will come to know the reality of what I speak of. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,